All right, podcast starting now. Let's do it. You know me. Welcome. What should we talk about? Um, I don't know. How was your trip? It was a great trip. Before we get into that, let's talk John Jones Bones, Chael Sonnen, UFC 151. Uh, all right. Do you think it's wrong that John Jones turned down the Chael Sonnen fight on eight days' notice? Yes. Well, Why? I don't think, not so much I think it's wrong, but I, I think that, that was he should have taken it. Because other people's interests were at stake, and it's the, the company men thing to do? Was it in John Bones Jones' best interest to do that? And in and in the end of it, at the end of the day, aren't you only concerned about, you know, your own interests and your own career? Um, well, I guess that's the thing, right? Like, is he just concerned about himself, or is he concerned, or does he care about like UFC um, as an organization, right? Like, um, it's obviously he has the right to turn it down, and that's his decision to do so but um by him doing that like i think why i don't think he should have done it is yeah because of the effects it has on everyone else like in um like the fact that this event had to be canceled and um and like none of the other fighters get to fight well now. it didn't have to be canceled there was a decision that Dana White and UFC made. It could have went on and just have a crappier card. So couldn't you, to be fair, not put that burden on John Jones and say, hey, listen, that's not my fault because you guys had to cancel. It's not my fault Dan Henderson got injured. It's not my fault that I don't want to take a fight with Chael Sonnen who doesn't deserve it. Well, of course, like, yeah, it's not his fault. And no one's saying really it's, like, his fault, right? But, you know, when you think about it, um, his... Like his decision not to fight, though it then yes, you have a really crappy card, and do people want to pay for something like that? No, and I think it's a you know as like crappy as it is, like for if Dana White were to just keep it keep the event on, like who's gonna want to see that? There people are yeah, just but gonna that's feel not John that... Jones Bones' problem. That's no, a UFC's problem. No, it isn't right. But the thing is that UFC is where he fights in, right? If UFC like if yeah, but if you Things worked if you worked at a poorly. at the Gap or some you know crappy store or some job, and they say, hey, listen, if you don't show up, we're gonna have to shut the entire business down uh, because you're the head chef or something, and this this guy, we have a way for you to come in on you know short notice. You say, well, hey, I'm at the beach right now. I'm doing. I don't want to do that. It's uh, not you your problem. You probably get fired, though, right? You know, if that's the thing, is that why would you get people, fired? Well, because if y- if you had to be somewhere at a certain time and you were willing to do that, but then circumstances changed, doesn't it null and void the previous contract? And now a new contract is set in front of you, and you have the choice to sign it or not. He didn't choose. To, he yeah, chose I not guess to sign it. Is, it. it is his so choice, it's like but it's, all the it ramifications looks, that follow. It's not his fault. It's, it looks badly on him, though, right? You know, as, like, an employer, you know, um, and, like, for him, like, knowing that this is the results that are going to take place, and, you know, like, uh, you want your, the people that work for you to want what is best, not only for themselves, but the organization as a whole, right? Like, and when things like this happen, right, 
it's bad for him too in the long run. Okay, right? but there's been a lot of fighters who take fights that they shouldn't take because they need the money. They f take fights on short notice. They move up in weight classes uh, because they get the call and they say, okay, fine, I'll do it. I'll be a company man. And then they lose. And then their confidence is down. They don't get a big payday the next time. Nobody wants to see a guy who's got a, a, a loss to a smaller man. It could backfire and make John Jones. It ruins his, his legend, his reputation. And isn't that kind of count for something okay. i mean this isn't this isn't some restaurant this is the fight business where anything can happen he could yeah. easily go in there and get knocked out anything can happen but no one would put it like no one would uh like put this against him or whatever if he if he were to lose this fight which is already highly unlikely like uh it's it's this isn't like john jones versus you know um well okay personally i don't think chael Sonnen is that amazing so um but, what do you mean? You know, he just totally destroyed Anderson Silva for, you know, four and a half rounds prior to their last meeting. He's, that was the previous fight. Which yeah, but nobody else has been able to do that was... to Anderson Silva, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's he's quite good, right? I don't know. Uh, well, and like... in terms of, like, a street fight, it's so, it's so common to be outweighed by yeah. 10 or 15 pounds. That's not a lot. And if you're the... So, yeah. But, like, okay, but John Jones has, like, completely beat everyone that he's come... So is Anderson Silva. And he fought Chael Sonnen and almost lost. Yeah, because but you want to know why? Because he had a hurt rib hurt injury. Though. Yeah, but he had yeah. a hurt rib, and and he so, could have backed out, but he was a company did, man, and he yeah. almost lost that fight. Maybe right? it's and smart for John Jones thing. to say, "Well, hey, I saw what happened to Anderson. This is a fight, it's not the and same, it's though. it's very likely that I get taken down and get dominated four and a half rounds." But, it's like, it's not the same, is, but know, I'm just saying it's, it's like even if if even if he does like no one's gonna be like oh like he has an excuse now like and and that's the thing if like eventually he were to um face him right like he's got the advantage here in this case fighting Chael Sonnen right he's been training to fight someone and it's not like you know like really how much how big of a difference what like does it make your opponent like how much how much are you going to change your training like if their styles are fairly similar yeah this you know, is where much... i have to uh get down off my podium and agree with you i was playing devil's advocate but i completely agree with you it's completely john jones's fault he is a baby he should have taken the fight for yeah. sure he should for sure he's he's this is what i don't understand you train 90 days for dan henderson the last week it's just like media tour and weight cut like all the training's done it's not like you're for gonna forget how to fight and it's when not, you step into the octagon you don't whatever game plan you put together you don't know if that's gonna go out the window in the first 30 seconds anyway yeah it's a fight you should know every aspect and, and this fight could go any way and this is mixed martial arts meaning the guy on the other end of the cage could impose any sort of game plan so you can't really be 100 sure that you train for exactly this one game plan right it's just so be, stupid. Yeah, you know, just because this guy Chael you know, is usually is a, oh, like this or that, like a young uh, Chael Sonnen is a a lighter, out of shape guy, and he would not have stepped in a ring. He wouldn't have stepped in the gym prior to the fight. He said that he wouldn't have got one mile in, one jump rope, one well, I'm round sure of sparring. He would have a little bit, but it would have been very minimal. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like really, I I can't see how. 
like how he could feel that there really that he would be at such a disadvantage in this fight that he can't fight, you know, that he wouldn't fight Chael Sonnen. So it might be another reason because Chael Sonnen a week ago was um, trying to troll John Bones Jones on Twitter, you know, making fun of him and, and calling him out. And and um, John Bones Jones was like, you know, I'm not going to let you talk your way into a title shot. I'm not going to fight you. So do you think it's kind of like spite? It's like, no, I'm not fighting this guy out of spite because he doesn't deserve. He, doesn't deserve he only is relevant and getting this shot because he's opened his big mouth and he's getting what he wants. And that's exactly what Chael wants. Exactly what Chael wants. What and I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow Chael. And if all these other ramifications happen, hey, so be it. Do you think that's the reason? It's just, he's just you know, too proud to give him that title <laughs> shot. The thing is, okay, like, I can kind of be like, all right, you want to be that way, right? But, like, seriously, in the UFC, though, it's not always about, like, okay, you deserve this fight because you fought it. You've, like, worked your way up or whatever. Like, you know, I don't really know how they do the matchups, but, like... It's kind of like more... that. There's number one contender fights. And I know. Chael Sun and uh, Dana White on a recent conference call said that Chael Sun in, in normal circumstances, would have had to fight three like nasty guys to earn his way up to John Bones Jones. So he totally jumped the line. So he doesn't really deserve it. Yeah. But I mean, in this entertainment, this is a sport. It's, you want to put together uh, fights that fans want to see the number one contenders, Leo Machida. Nobody wants to see that fight. You know, it might be a a good opportunity to break the rules and, and put in a guy that and I'm like, and that's the thing is, I think in the UFC they do things like that, right? They don't. It's not always by the book. Like it's not like there's this formula. Of yeah, food. totally. They do that. They they just because you know once in a while you're like you know how did this guy fight at, like this guy who's like he's I don't even know who he is and then then he's got he's like fighting someone that's like really good or whatever right like there's all these extra things that happen to it so it's like yeah he may not deserve it but stuff like that happens you know and i don't feel like you being like okay i'm gonna make a stance and because i don't want this like it's gonna happen anyway it won't might not be to the same extent right but but it's not like he's going to change how UFC matches up their fighters, right? Yeah, I agree. And if Chael Sonnen happened to want uh, win that fight, then if he didn't belong there as the champion, somebody would beat him and yeah. you know the, uh, the the invisible hand would take care of it. He would get shuffled out. You know what I mean. And I'm sure that if they he did lose, like they'd get a re, he'd get a rematch. Like yeah, right? exactly. So you know, I don't think that one like point in the like one mark on the loss column for John Jones is really gonna have that huge of a effect. Right. Yeah. He's and he's already got a loss. It's not like he's like, oh, I wanted to retire as an undefeated yeah. champion. He's got a loss against Matt Hamill, although he beat Matt Hamill another time. No, no, no. He that fight he lost uh, was a disqualification. Oh, he yeah. he dominated Matt Hamill. Matt Hamill had no chance, but he was like had a, Matt Hamill in a full mount and did a, an illegal elbow, oh, a twelve to six elbow, I that. and got disqualified. So his record yeah. is tarnished, even though everyone knows that he won the fight. Yeah, but he can't retire as you know a forty zero yeah. undefeated fighter like Mayweather or something like that. 
and boxing. Yeah, right. So it doesn't. It's, it's like, what's the big deal? Um. Anyway. Anyways, enough about that. So you were telling me about your trip. How did that go? I was telling you about your. Why don't you tell me about your trip? I think that'd be more interesting. Well, I got really nothing to say. I mean, well, I do. It's just that um, I don't really have any good stories off the top of my head. We, I just remember it being really busy and constantly doing things. I think if I had to do it differently, I would probably have liked to do uh, less things and maybe even less countries. I don't know. I just felt it was t- too long. It was like 18 days. How long did it go for? Is no, it, it was like 24 days. 24? That's too long. Yeah. Vacations shouldn't be that long. But <laughs> I, I did like the fact that London was, uh, you know, we kind of got to experience what it would be like to live there rather than yeah. just vacation there. You know, we were going to grocery stores, we're doing cooking, we're hanging out at pubs and just doing stuff we'd normally do had we lived there. And I like that. It seems like a little bit more relaxed and you kind of got to see like the way of life of the people. Yeah. Uh, London is massive, but... I kind of I kind of like it because it it doesn't really matter that it's big because you only stay in your kind of section anyway. Yeah, and I mean it's kind of like you have the option to experience whatever you want out there, but like you can stay in your own little neighborhood and basically have everything that you want. Like I was um saying to you how like each the kind of community or whatever they all have their own high street it's called the high street where it'll have like all the shops and you know you can do all your clothing grocery shopping whatever you want it'll be there and it'll also have a bunch of places where you can go out at night like um even like clubs and stuff too right so you don't need to go far from home in order to have like everything you want uh, unless your friends live like on the other side of the city and then what is the rent like in London? Uh, ranges, you know. The... Because what I noticed was everything was super old and they would yeah. be like refurbished or re- remodeled. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like that. Like if I had to live there, I probably wouldn't be able to get like a nice modern place. There are. Um, there are like new places I built. Like I, when I first moved there, I stayed with a friend of a friend's and his apartment complex, I think, was... Uh, new, newly, yeah, I think it was, like, the whole building was new, but it was, yeah, it was pretty expensive, I think. Yeah, that's like, the thing, like, I don't, I wouldn't mind living in, like, uh, a little bit older place, well, and, and a little bit older, these places are, like, 100 years old, right? Yeah. So some of them, I wouldn't mind that if the rent was, you know, 400 bucks a month or something super ridiculously cheap, but it's not that way, it's pretty expensive, right? Yeah, I mean, anything, like, um... I mean, I when I lived in a house with like six other people, I had ridiculously cheap rent, and it was like three hundred about three hundred and fifty pounds, um, and that was like ridiculously cheap. And this was like a really ghetto house, though. So what with, is three hundred fifty pounds? That's like uh, uh at it's one hundred and twenty dollars per hundred or more. No, it's like one fifty five ish. Oh, per dang. Hundred. Yeah, it's, I mean, it range, it, it kind of depends on the exchange rate, but I mean, when I moved over there was two to one. Um, my first place that I rented was like five, about five, with the bills and stuff was about 500 something pounds a month. So at like two to one, so it was like over a thousand dollars I was paying and I was living with two other girls in like a two level, kind of like a 
townhouse type place. Right. Um, and that was also an old building, but uh, remodeled, so it was pretty nice inside. I like the fact that you can do everything in London. You can, like, you know, big shows come in. There's, like, the Darren Brown uh, Illusionist show. is at the same time as the Olympics, which is at the same time as the Tutankhamen exhibit, which, not no, to mention... Tutankhamen was in Paris. Oh, well, whatever. I mean, but, then yeah, there is, like, there's, of there's tons of things. Yeah. There's, like, constantly... Um, like or like, there's like museums which are like some of the best in the world. The British Museum is like probably one of the best in the world, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. What's probably. better than that? I they had no like idea. the Rosetta Stone. It was like the Moy people of everywhere we East went Island. to. It was like three of them are in our like when we were in Athens. It's like the the things from this monument we've got three of them in our museum and then there's one at the british museum right well yeah like, i mean all the good like, stuff and then there was, was one at the british museum yeah all the good stuff was they plucked from athens and put into <laughs> british museum because you know when your economy's down and out you sell all your good stuff right <laughs> I guess it's so. like they I left the columns and all the shitty stuff that nobody wants and they're like okay this nice sculpture okay we'll take that this nice painting okay we'll take that oh this seems to be intact okay let's take that it's all in the british museum so yeah, when I got to really when I got to Greece, it's like, hey, where is everything? It's like just no, rum- it's like rubble, <laughs> and there's nobody around, and there's like mangy dogs and cats running everywhere, which is kind of awesome. Um, it was awesome in the sense that they they really took care of their animals there. I like that because sometimes you go over to countries like you know I'm not going to name any countries, but there's certain countries that they don't really tr- treat their animals with a, with a lot of respect, right? And yeah. especially with Greece being, I don't know, it's not considered first world, right? Or is it? Yeah. It is? So. Okay, well, it, it's... Why wouldn't it be first world? Well, because their economy's not doing well, right? Does that... Do, do you become... Do you drop? <laughs> I would assume you can drop. Yeah, why not? I have no idea. Well, well, I mean, what makes something first world versus second world? I don't know. Let's Google that. Is there a fourth world? No, I think there's just... For a second and a third. But I have no idea what's second world. Second world is like uh, Mexico. It's it's good in some spots, crappy in others. Oh. No, I just made that up. I have no idea. Alright, first world countries in general have advanced economies and very high human development indexes. Um, it also could be linked to GDP. And second no, world, world. Huh? Second world is... It doesn't say. See, look, it's only China, Soviet Union, and their allies that are second world, it says. China's not even first world? Oh, it's because no, it's like super r- rural and all these poor people living. Some in places are really right? good, though, right? Yeah, like the big cities. But if you leave the big cities, it's like ghetto, isn't it? I don't know. Never been there. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it's still first world. <laughs> all right. Well, whatever. I all, mean, I think all they, of Europe is. First the point world. is, Greece was looked like, or sorry, Athens looked like a slum. It was like broken windows and graffiti everywhere and it was just dirty and old and at least the parts we saw it didn't look like a thriving economy it looked like some place that was just abandoned and left for dead 
it's like the people, the well had dried up, the people weren't coming. And the shops have closed down on a city block. There would be one open restaurant. Everything else would be a closed, abandoned, boarded up, graffitied. And uh, that was pretty much most of it. And then in some of the major tourist attractions like the Acropolis, uh, there would be like some unmanned things with broken windows and the the gate would be all uh, bent and toppled over where it used to be a place where you could like store your backpack for the day. But that was closed so it seemed like um in that sense kind of like a at least second world country but yet they still took the time to feed their dogs i saw one instance where this guy bought something from a store took it out opened the the lid of the box and just let this dog it wasn't even his dog just let some dog eat it and then other people have like cold dishes or sorry cold water and dishes for the animals and other people allow these animals to go into their air conditioned shop and just hang out, which is really incredible. We would never see that in Canada, right? Yeah. We would never see that. I, I, well, we would never have a dog well, running we don't around. Have strays, but the very right? fact that they have dogs running around, doesn't that show that they're not first world? Like, what city in Canada can you go and find a dog just wandering around on his own? I've the, never seen that. The littlest hobo. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. know. I have. I. I don't. But that's probably just because we have like the, like pound and stuff or whatever, and I don't know. But isn't a pound part but, of like, the first world infrastructure? I. But I think that like that's like a doing well first world infrastructure. There's no right? different levels of first world. But I think that you're, if, I think that you're where you think the cutoff is is a lot higher than where it actually is because like from from what that map uh, showed like all of Europe is like first world right and even like I don't know about the Middle East or what are they? It was blue. Blue is second world. I thought green was. But anyways. Like stray cats and um, and dogs, like in different parts of the world, is common, right? Like in Romania, there were stray dogs everywhere too, right? Or uh, yeah, like were there? Yeah, remember like when we went to from the hotel? There's like that little um, underground place, and there was like always little dogs around, and there was like oh yeah, that's right, there were yeah. And, like, if you, like, cats, like, in, um, I have no idea what, like, Turkey is classified as, but, like, in, like, Istanbul and stuff, like, a lot of Muslim places, I think, there's just, like, cats running around everywhere. And I I think even, like, when I was in Taiwan, there were, like, stray cats around, like, a lot of places. Yeah, I've seen that in Thailand. Um, I don't think I saw it in Korea. But, yeah, anyway... So I thought that was really nice that these this economy was just down and out. They were just hanging on by a thread, yet they still took the time to take care of their animals. But uh how did you like Romania? I liked Romania. I um I think it's kind of like a a place that would be nice to like just like a casual kind of place where you can stay for a long time. I don't like to me like I like how it's not yeah there's not that many things going on there right but like it had a pretty good I just had a good feeling in the in the city like in Bucharest like 
um, the people were pretty friendly, and then, like, it just seemed, like, really lively when we went out, you know, um, and yeah, that's the weather for sure. seemed pretty People nice were just down there. to hang out and party and stuff. That yeah. was so packed every yeah. night. So it's, like, you know, just, like, half, like, midweek, and there's, like, just a ton of people. Like, we went out in the Oat Town area, which apparently was just recently kind of re-gentrified or whatever um and it's all like little bars and restaurants and stuff and they've just got like a ton of um seating out outdoors and it was like so like it was the moment one table left the table would be filled like just like it'd be like two seconds that the literally two seconds that a table would be empty because it was just so popular at there and it was just streets and sh- like uh, quite a few streets that were just lined with these um right uh like little cafes bars restaurants and all of them were just packed up like everything was just like packed and it just had a really lively atmosphere so i thought it was kind of cool there and um and there, like things are really affordable like food is really cheap there compared to like the other places we visited it was reasonable it wasn't outrageously cheap it was like 15 dollars for that entire platter of meat that was like too much to feed both of us oh that's outrageously cheap like compared to here there's no way we got like we had chicken we had pork we had lamb we had i think we had two types of pork we had smoked pork too and there was like steak potatoes and wasn't there a steak a beef meat I think so. I was eating something that felt like beef. Yeah, I think there was like like pretty much all of them. Beef, chicken, lamb, pork, and polenta, and like potatoes. Um, and like it was, yeah, it was, could easily have fed three of us, and it was like $15. Yeah, that is very cheap. <laughs> but in terms of those, like those, uh, that snowboard shop we went to, there was like oh, like in terms of shopping, sh- yeah. But I think it's like you know, with the things that are imported, because those things are not from there, right? So obviously the prices are usually higher. I think if we went to the shops where it's like, um, like just like the Romanian shops, probably things are pretty cheap. Like I walked into some stores and it seemed pretty affordable. Like the it was like you know five dollars or less for a top yeah yeah that's yeah, pretty good yeah i thought that um the palace was pretty funny like the the parliament what is it called the palace of parliament or it, palace of peace or something it's like or... the people's palace or something like that but it's the actually the parliament parliament of democracy is something like that it's this massive building it's the largest administration administrative second building administrative. sorry the second largest administrative building in the world second to the pentagon and it was just super super massive and every room or not every room we only saw six percent of the rooms but the ones we saw were these massive halls which didn't have anything in them they had to turn the lights off because it just cost too much to run the power and just you know this old king built it uh, as a symbol of uh, oh yeah the old dictator built it as a symbol of kind of opulence and and whatever and he wanted to house uh his own house uh parliament and senate and all these other statesmen and all that kind of stuff i I might have made that up because weren't weren't there like three houses going they're like no the the president can live here the king can live here no i don't remember well whatever it's massive and 
they just ran out of money, so there'd be like little spots where they're like supposed to have a painting, but there was no painting. Uh, well, was... they like during the building of the of it, like the dictator got overthrown, right? So... Yeah, it was nineteen eighty four. They started. 80... Yeah, and then nineteen eighty nine, I think there there was like a some like up overturning a civil revolution. The... Yeah, the revolution lasted for like two years, I think. So then now it became like the symbol of democracy and they have all like the Senate and the Congress or whatever they call it. All the government is essentially there. Yeah. But they don't use, and then like, um, yeah, but they don't use half of it as far well, as I, I can tell. I think they said that they usually, like they do during the year, but it was a summer, right? And because um, the, the parliament and Senate or whatnot, they're all like not in, um, uh, what's it called? They're like, not running on hiatus but so but what could you possibly need like 1400 massive rooms for? i don't think they're all massive i think we just saw all the massive rooms right um because they're saying that of like the rooms there's a large percentage of them are offices and those ones all get used um and so uh yeah i think i'm sure like still a, a lot of it isn't used but i think that a fair percentage of it does get used normally. Yeah. But it is. It's massive and just, like, so... Like, even though they ran out of money, like, um, I guess a lot of it was still completed and it's just, like, marble everywhere and, like, all this, like, really fancy carved things and wood stuff. But they didn't even have, like... crystals and stuff. Yeah, they had, like, one chandelier that was, like, seven tons, had 4,000 crystals... Yeah. It's pretty good. But then the, we went to the washroom, and they don't have toilet paper. Yeah. It stunk. Like, nobody's cleaned it in yeah. a couple of years. And there was no soap in the w- women's And the lights were there. off. Weren't the lights off? Or is that somebody uh, else? No, that I was the, the museum. Yeah. But we go to lots of places. The lights were off. They're like, they can't afford it. Which is really strange, coming from a country that's got a lot of money. Yeah. When yeah. we can afford to have our lights on, and they can't. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of just like, I guess some things they just don't prioritize, right? Like, you think, like, with all the money coming in for all these tours, like, people are going to need to use the the bathroom. And it's like, there's one bathroom that we're supposed to be using. Like, the least you could do is to, like, have toilet paper in there, right? Yeah, like, what are people supposed to use? I don't know, I brought my own. (laughs) I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, after seeing like paris and london i kind of the old buildings like the novelty had worn off i didn't really care anymore it was still a really nice building but you know in paris everything is nice this country has so much money and in france it was yeah it was paris uh every single building it seemed was super posh it was like marble nice gold statues it was like really, really luxury and classy. That that place is like I could see why people like it. They had the the Seine River running through it, and uh, the Egyptian obelisks, and the Louvre, and the uh, Eiffel Tower. It's like that that country had a ton of money. So then you got kind of used to seeing really nice stuff. Especially on our trip, we went yeah. to lots of old kind of places like that. I got to Romania in the last leg of the trip, and it's like, uh, I don't really care anymore. 
Yeah, but well, like, they didn't have that much kind of really old stuff left. So I, I like, think it's I think probably I think the country if you go further in, um, there's more like natural beauty and different things out there. That it I was think super would, rural though, right? Yeah, it was just like yeah. Well, peasants. I mean, it's peasants, right? Yeah. And then so. we like, yeah, we went to Dracula's castle, which it's I, not really Dracula. It wasn't really Dracula. It was Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> But or Vlad of Ipsies or whatever yeah. his last name. Tap TPs, which yeah, means but the he... impaler. Oh, does it? That's yeah, what that that's, means. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, okay, fine. But this guy, not only did he hardly live there, he this guy's like a like a national hero for impaling. He like helped protect the country against invaders. Yeah. 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 No, and it has nothing to do with Dracula, and it's all because of some, you know. British dude or whatnot. I, what are you talking about? Give respect to respect to is Bram Stoker. Yeah. And he's he he's Irish, isn't a, he? Scottish, Irish. Something like that. like that. So the guy was explaining to us how he how Vlad the Impaler would impale his victims. He would have a really sharp spike. He would have have the guy stripped naked, held down, have his legs spread, shove the spike up his ass, and then start hammering it on the other end until it poked through the back of, like, right above, like, his kidneys, right? I don't know. Somewhere in the middle of his back. In the middle of his back, somehow yeah. Somehow they avoid all of the, um, like, internal organs, organs that could, would cause, like, immediate death. Uh, so that you end up having, like, a slow agonizing death. Is there any w- worse way to die than that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a sure fire? that there's some pretty... Um, being you know, burned to like, death couldn't be good, right? Yeah, but I think it's fairly quick, isn't it? It would have to be. Uh, fire is really hot. Yeah. So, but I, you know, like they have those. I think I, I'm sure the Chinese and other people did this, like torturing people to death. Like, there's some pretty brutal things there. Yeah, that's right? probably not the worst. I think that's pretty bad, though. Yeah, I think it's it's like probably one of the worst. Like, but in like for the um, for the person that's inflicting this on them is probably one of the quickest. Like ratio of really terrible for them, but at least work for you. It's probably one of the worst, right? Yeah. Because I think, you know, there could be a lot worse ways to die, but it requires a lot more effort on the part of the torturer. Yeah, absolutely. I liked um, the the catacombs in Paris. That was pretty cool, which was like 150 stories below the... It's 150 stories. No, it was, it was, pretty, it was far down, 84 stairs. It was... It's like... How many stairs is that? How many? That's like four stories below the the yeah. center of the um, or below yeah. the surface, right? And then it was just like the, long the quarter after long quarter until you finally get to these bones, and they're just six million people down there, dead people, just bones, bones. stacked on top of each other yeah, with skulls. Cool. That was very cool, but Creepy, but cool. Yeah, and else? I'm working my way backwards, I guess. And then we went to Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah, that was pretty cool. I liked Bern a lot. It was very quiet, but they had the old kind of. They had like the be- the nature, the beauty. Uh, they had the old kind of buildings, and it seemed like you know first world. There's no kind of ghetto. And... But it's like thirteen dollars for like a McDonald's combo. Was it? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> but if you work there, you probably make like 20 bucks an hour at McDonald's, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's all relative. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I can spend $13 on the McDonald's. But yeah. What, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. I don't feel very chatty today. I'm like really kind of, I just want to watch a show. <laughs> we can talk about the show. Especially since, like, I've had this conversation about my trip, like, a couple times. Yeah. People are like, how's your trip? You should know. have just recorded it when we came back and then been like, oh, you should listen to the podcast if you want to hear about my trip. So that's basically the end of our conversation on our trip. I guess for us, we've just talked about our trip so much that uh, we didn't really want to talk about it anymore on the podcast, and I think uh, it kind of sucked the energy out of the room, so... Uh, Sarah left and um, I wanted to just mention a conversation that Sarah and I had last night about time travel and she refuses to talk to me about time travel because she doesn't care and I get really intense about it. So I will just rehash the conversation and basically my question to her was, suppose you had an omniscient, omnipotent being that allowed you and only you to time travel to any point in the past as much as you wanted to. And even if you messed things up, this being would clean things up. So there was no problem of like, you know, the butterfly effect where you go back and you step on a butterfly a hundred thousand years ago, and then you come back to the world and everybody you know and love is dead because you've altered the course of history. So there's no problems of also getting back to your normal time like so there one concern would be that you'd go back to you know a hundred years ago and then you'd be stuck there you couldn't get back so say this being promised you that he could definitely get you back and he would make it so that there would be no problems with the butterfly effect my question to her was like wouldn't you go back in time and she said no and i said well suppose i had two tickets to an elvis presley concert or I had, you know, we could go back in time and listen to the Martin Luther King, I had a dream speech, or we could see the Kennedy assassination, or uh, um, we could sit front row at a Muhammad Ali fight. Why wouldn't you want to do that? And her answer surprised me. She said that basically that she doesn't want to live in the past. And I rebutted that by saying that the past is irrelevant. To her, it's her future. The fact that something happened a hundred years ago makes no difference to whether it's in her, it's not in her past necessarily. And I said that life is all about events. There's certain events that happen. You, you know, graduate, you maybe see a big concert, you get married, you buy a house. There's like these events in your life. And, you know, sometimes their events are small, like you go to the gym or uh, you write a book or something like that. And then there's all this kind of little junk in between, like, you know, hold hands and you make a sandwich and you sleep and you pet your cat and all this kind of stuff. And that's basically life, what life is. And my argument was that you'll never, it's not never, but it's unlikely, let's say you live 80 years in an 80 year period, it's unlikely that you'll have any major events that are significant or more interesting than you know watching the pyramids being built or watching a a Elvis Presley concert i mean 
nobody could say that they've done that. And just for the sheer fact of humanity, you owe it to humanity to do that, to be able to do that. And she just turned it down. And then I said, if you know, she's like, why does this surprise you? I'm like, well, because, I mean, if I asked a thousand people, every one of them would time travel. And I wouldn't expect you not to. And she says, well, I also want to contribute something to society. And I don't think I could do that by living in the past. And I say, well, I said to her, that's not really foreseeable. You can't, your life is just an amalgamation of experiences. And if you went back in the past, you might see something or learn something which would affect your character or might spark an idea. And you could bring that back to you and, and, you know, create an invention or, you know, create a foundation that helps people or you could change the world in some way. And I find that really surprising. I mean, imagine how cool it'd be to go back in time to see the pyramid being built. And then you just set up a lawn chair and you watch. And let's say this ultimate being or this all-powerful being also guaranteed your safety so no one would like mess with you, right? So you set up a lawn chair. You see how they build the pyramid. You're like, oh, okay, that's how they did it. And then you fast forward maybe, you know, I don't know how long it took to build the pyramid. Let's say you fast forward 600 years where they're like putting the top on or something like that. And you're like, oh, okay. And then maybe you jump to, you know, uh, ancient ancient Greece and you have a chat with Socrates. And then you jump to, I don't know, the Roman times and you watch uh, some gladiators brawl. And then maybe you jump to, I don't know, it just seems like you're in a, in an 80 year period. If you could cram in major exciting events, that seems like it would be a better life because the only purpose to live this life, it seems to be is, uh, happiness, the pursuit of happiness, everything else. If I ask you, why did you do something? It will eventually lead to happiness. It's like, well, why did you, uh, go to school? Oh, I wanted a good job. Why do you want a good job? Oh, because I want to make lots of money. Well, why do you want to make lots of money? Oh, so I can buy a nice house. Well, why is that important to you? Why do you want to buy a a nice house? Well, you know, so um, I can sit around and and, and feel comfortable. Why is that important to you? Why do you want to do that? Well, because, you know, ultimately that brings me happiness. So, but it would would be self-evident that you know, I would, it would make no sense for me to, to continue my questioning. Why do you want to be happy? It's self-evident. I mean, and it, it, it doesn't seem like any other thing that you do will lead to anything other than happiness. So it seems like the meaning of life, the purpose of life is to have as much happiness as possible. And there's a lot of different ways to get happiness for different people, but, but that's ultimately what motivates people. What So I said to Sarah, what are you doing in your life that would make you more happy than doing all these major events in the past? And she basically got kind of upset and I, I backed off. But basically, yeah, it's this kind of really silly argument. She said that she wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, I would definitely do that. I'd do that in a second. I think most people would. So she wouldn't have that conversation with me again. And so that's basically the gist of it. But uh, yeah, tell me what you think. Uh, You can basically find my contact information on my website, edwardmullen.com, or, you know, Twitter me, you can DM me on Twitter or, you know, whatever. I want to hear what you would do 
if you had a time travel, if you had that scenario, and who would you see or what would you do? And yeah, so basically hit me up. And uh, that's the end of this thing. All right. Yeah.